Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. Um, I'm gonna, I've got some visitors up here on stage with me today because today, special day, special day in the city. This city's very excited. I hope you guys have been able to take part. I love all of you. Got the, got some orange on today. Now I have to confess I'm a sports fan, but football's never been my number one. So I'm not going to talk here today. Today is the day for the lifers. This is honoring those who've held on as fans for years. And so I have a panel of three amazing Bengals fans. We've got Steve, we've got Rob, we've got Sam. And I I just needed needed them to have their moment. We need to honor them as fans. Yes, yes, yes. But we want to hear their stories. Okay, guys? Okay, so number one. Number one is I want to hear, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling right now in this moment? I am so excited I'm about to jump off the stage. <laughs> we can stage dive. We like it. We like it. Um, I think I'm a little nervous. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think it's there's a cautious optimism in the cautious city. Cautious optimism. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now I want to hear, hear a bit about your story. Now, who has influenced your fandom over the years? Who did you watch with growing up? Like, give, me, give us the full picture of, of you as a Bengals fan. We'll just keep going. Well, I had four brothers and a sister who was out of the house before I, so I was overwhelmed by men. So we watched on the black and white TV in the kitchen. And I'm like, are we the white guys or the black guys? Because the jerseys are white or black. So are we dark or are we light this week? But since I was, can, I can remember, it was, let's watch the Bengals. All right. Um, I, like, I don't think I watched much growing up, but then, uh, like early 2000s, I was like watching, I would go over for Sunday dinner with my parents mm-hmm. and my dad and my sister would be watching and I would kind of watch it as a joke. <laughs> it was hilarious. They were so bad. <laughs> and then like, and then they started getting kind of good, which was really frustrating because it was like you would get excited and then get let down constantly. And then these last couple of years, I went back to just like treating it like they kind of suck. <laughs> And it made it a lot more fun again. <laughs> I have vague recollections of Super Bowl 16 because it was like cold. And we, we actually, they canceled church that night, which was the most peculiar thing. But I remember that and I remember us not winning and then watching it a little bit. But I had a neighbor who had season tickets and a friend my age. And because of that, I was the tag along for a lots of games. So I actually got to see a, a, a playoff game in 1988 when they won. Uh, and actually I was there. I always tell people I was there for the speech that Sam Weich gave over the loudspeaker that you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati. So that's why, you know, I have that. But then honestly, in our family, we weren't big sports. So I was often relegated to watching the Bengals downstairs and on a black and white TV. So I, I liked them, you know, when it wasn't cool in my family at the time. Now it's fun to see my siblings who will probably never watch this because they're pagans. No, they're not. They're in church now. But there's this point when they're texting me about how good the Bengals are. And I was like, where were you in the 80s when I'm watching on the black and white TV? I would have been able to watch color. Yeah. <laughs> really good to the basement. Okay, so how hard has it been? What, what, 
what helped you persevere? There's been some losing seasons. There's been, a, there's been some gaps. So how do you deal? Well, like Rob said, um, they give you hope. Like they, they, they drafted Kajana Carter, the savior. Kajana Carter, and then he blew out his knee. And then he comes back, and I swear on the first playback, he caught a pass, and he ran, and he ran, and he ran out of bounds, and he tripped and fell and broke his wrist. Nobody touched him. And I'm like, it's so, it was really, really hard. I mean, comedy, really. It was, it was just a comedy of errors. That's how I persevered. Okay. You just got to go with the laughter. And this, is, this has got a red light on it. Are we good? Like, if it goes out, that's a red light. It's kind of like the Bengals. It was always a red light. I was there also the first game after the 88 Super Bowl season in 89 when we were playing the Steelers. And Icky Woods, who, you know, he was a rookie that year. And as great as he was, that first game, he got injured. He walked off. I'm like, wonder what that'll mean. And we really never saw him play football again. So, like, the last 30 years, this is like, Kelly knows from, she asked me up here because it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> like, to be a Bengals fan, you can keep the hope. But honestly, there was always this thing that something's going to happen. And uh, we were together watching uh, Carson Palmer's leg get obliterated. And then I was with Kelly, who didn't even care at the time, when the Steelers, that game when Jeremy Hill fumbled late and then all the penalties. And, you know, I can say this in church because this is confession, too. I was cursing at the TV. (laughs) And what is that one? A perfect storm. (laughs) Rob has layered Bengals shirts, (laughs) which is it. But it's just been devastating. And if not for my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) I would probably be in a bad situation. Okay, but the last big question is, uh, has it been worth it? Totally worth it. This is the payoff. This, and these guys are cautious. I am all the way. We're going to win every year. I'm like, hope springs eternal. This is the <laughs> year. So, yes, this is it. It's worth it. Okay. Is it worth it, Rob? I mean, yeah, it's worth it. It's fun. It's, it's nice to, like, have a Super Bowl where it's, like, you care more than just, like, oh, whatever, two teams, who cares? Yeah. But this is fun. Good. Rob and I were talking before because I saw the uh, inevitable social media hot take, which was, if you people cared about God more than the Bengals, <laughs> you'd be better people. And, um, but, I was, but this is actually a thing about it is that I like – I mean, I'm a Bengals fan, but really more than that, I'll tell you just – this is – don't hand me a microphone and talk about the Bengals, but I, I love our city. And the best thing is some of you who are new to the city and stuff is that there's, a, and there's an inferiority complex that many Cincinnatians hold. Because it's been a dark three decades of not just sports-wise, but there was tragedy riots in our city, race relations issues, just so much that has happened. And I was just the other day, I'm doing my run, and I run through neighborhoods that some people don't. And I was running through a neighborhood, and there's about... 15 school-age kids, and you can see them looking at me running like, why is this dude running through the neighborhood? And then all of a sudden, one of them yells out to me. They're like, hey, hey. And I'm like, all right. And they're like, who day? And I was like, who day? And 15 kids just went, yeah. <laughs> and so I will tell you, as I've already told Kaylin, is like, if they win tonight, we're spending hours downtown, and we'll avoid the drunks and try to not climb on poles. But the thing is, is that, what it's just about this city there's so many good people and when you have something that lifts that up and changes everything I, that's really what has excited me it's like this has been the best two weeks if we're going to tolerate february this is the best way to do it and I, I i can't share sam's enthusiasm i want to because it has just been you know we have been let down so many times 
but um, I would like to pray for the Bengals right now. <laughs> That's not why I asked you up here. Okay, thank you guys. Thank you so much. All right, so we are in our series. Yes, cheer on the fans. Steve's going to be my stagehand here. Um, we're in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. Cincinnati feels redeemed right now, but there's something about being all in as a fan, as a follower of something, like having having something that you come around, right? And that happens in our faith too. And today, well, we've been in our series in Luke, but really the past few weeks, Jesus has like been zooming in on these stories, come more and more focused in on these disciples, these followers. Like, what does it mean? If you say you follow Jesus, if you say you're claiming his name, last week, Jesus said, who do you say I am? So Jesus has been on this journey of his own. Like we call this journey of the redeemed because that was, I was thinking about our journey, but really Jesus is on a journey and we're going to see here that from chapter nine, all the way until chapter 19 in this book, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem and we know the end of the story that Jesus is heading there to die, to die on the cross for our sins. And people are trying to like, he's trying to get his followers like, okay, guys, he knows the clock is ticking and they don't, but he's trying to like get them to say, look, this is what it means. This is who I am. This is why I came. And if you want to follow me, this is what it means. This is how you need to imitate. This is how you need to spread God's kingdom. And so for for the last few weeks, we've heard, remember when we were talking about the feeding of the 5,000 or we're talking about Martha and Jesus was like, you're going to have to do some things you don't always want to do. Like that's part of being my follower. And like last week he was saying things like, you're going to have to pick up your cross. Like that's a, that's a death sentence. That's saying like you're carrying things in a sacrificial manner to be my follower. So Jesus has been laying this out for them. And today, today, there's some trip ups. So we're going to have some more life lessons as these disciples figure it out. And we're going we're gonna to find our own challenges too. So we're going to finish up Luke chapter 9. Let me read our first section. It's verses 37 through 43. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, if you remember last week, Jesus was transfigured. He changed his appearance. He revealed his glory. And three of his followers were up there with him. They all came down. The next day, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him. He is suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. Now, I want us to note that on January 16th, we talked more in depth about demon possession. On January 23rd, we talked about what a perspective would be for a parent to like bring a child before Jesus in that desperation. So we're not dwelling on those two aspects today. Today, I want us to see how this miracle is connected to the disciples. Because you heard what the dad said there, right? He said, 
I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. So we have already read that Jesus sent out the 12 core of his disciples, the main mentoring guys here, on a mission. And next week we're going to read that he's sending out tons of his followers out on a mission, giving them saying, like, you have God's spirit. You have the power to go teach. You have the power to heal, to drive out demons. So this was part of their plan. Like, they were out on mission. They had gone from village to village, and they came back really excited about themselves and that they were doing it, that they could see God at work, that they were being used by God, and and great things were happening. So what is wrong here? Why couldn't they drive it out? And I don't know if you've ever had like a new skill in the the first time or maybe the first few times you, you do it well, but then at some point you mess up or it doesn't work and you're just like, it just throws off your confidence, you know? And maybe that's something's here, but but I feel like there's something deeper because Jesus is frustrated. Like he's using some harsh words here. Unbelieving, perverse generation. Like these words is what it's what he said when when he was on the boat and he was asleep and there was a storm and the disciples were all freaking out. And he's like, Don't you're un, you're not believing. You're not having that faith. And, and the word perverse here, it just means you are deliberately turning away from my instructions. That's, that's harsh. Like, just because they couldn't do it, what's up, Jesus? And I don't know, I just feel like, I feel like with that description, I can almost just imagine, like, Jesus could see inside their hearts, you know? And then I wonder, this is, this is my, this is an educated guess here. Did they start at some point just a slight turn away from God's power, and kind of started feeling a little bit like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. We're doing this, right? Maybe just a slight turn, and their trajectory was going to start headed away from God's glory and maybe feeling a little bit more focused on their own. I don't know, because that can happen, you know? That can happen. Any good thing, starting off with good intentions, it can be corrupted, um, Shantae and I got to hear a man named Alvin Sanders, who was a former minister here in town, and now he heads up a, a national organization. It's called World Impact. And he told us, you know, like, if you look around the city, there's so many amazing things that get started here. Like people trying to solve issues of poverty, people trying to bring justice to communities. And he's like, you see the great, amazing hearts that people have, their motivation inside. He's like, all of us, he's like, every one of us can be tempted to suddenly be like, hmm, I'm starting to feel like maybe it's me. Maybe, maybe I'm the one doing the work. And he said, you can take on a savior complex, like kind of not even realizing it, just having this, this feeling where you feel like we're important and less about we're being used as a conduit for God's redemption. So I just, it just feels like, well, maybe something was going on here with the disciples. And, I, and Jesus had to give him a wake-up call, and it's good to do now, you know? I don't know if you've ever had that moment, an embarrassing moment, where someone had to kind of call you out. Maybe it was a mentor. Maybe just something was a wake-up call when you realized, like, oh, I've kind of been, I've kind of been focused on me a lot. And it's embarrassing in the moment, but it it helps us stop us in our tracks and make us better people in the long run. And, you know, I think that's, that's the beauty of being a church together 
is sure, we can, we can live faith alone. We can do a lot of things. You can pray on your own. You can sing to God on your own. But when you're part of a community, it reminds you that we're serving together. We're serving one another. We're serving God and his glory. And being in part of a community keeps us that accountability, you know? So let's keep reading. As the disciples are just having this wake-up call. And Jesus moves on to say, like, here's why. Here's why they need to stay focused. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Like Jesus knows. He knows that he's, God's using people. When Jesus dies, is raises again, he heads back to heaven. And then who is left on earth to spread this good news? People. Us right now. But right this moment, Jesus was like, I need you guys to get it now because you're going to be it. You're, you're who we're, we're relying on you. We're putting this kingdom plan in your hands. And so he's ready for them to please mature in their faith, to get it, to follow after him, to rely on the spirit's power and not their own. And, you know, they didn't grasp it at a time, but at some point, Jesus's words will come back. So let's keep going. And An argument started among the disciples as to which would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. He said to his disciples, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is the least among you that is the greatest. So if we've already got the disciples who've kind of been more self-focused than God-focused, it's no surprise to see them, this kind of an argument kind of go out like, okay, I'm Jesus's number one. No, I am. Like, there's a little like, look what I'm doing. Check out this miracle I did. And it doesn't, it's not hard to think about how that can happen in our faith even today, right? The most successful teams, they play together. You know, you can tell, you know, when someone is starts to compete within each other. That's when things fall apart. So Jesus is like, okay, here's your, here's your reality check part two. First of all, it was like, look, you're not even healing. You're not even doing the things that you're supposed to do when you turn away, when you lose focus. And now he's like, you all are trying to be, get all the glory. He's like, get down here. You're the greatest when you see the value and greatness in someone else. Someone as a small child. That's very countercultural. Like we, we love kids. We lift them up. We enjoy them. Yet in Jesus' day, they were, not, they were not seen with a lot of value. And so Jesus is trying to say, look, the priorities of this world don't last. That is not God's kingdom. God cares and values about even the littlest. And so I just want to say today, living into Jesus's goals, showing what matters. So today, most important people in this church, not standing up here on stage. There's some people behind this door. They're taking care of some kids and they are MVPs. And those of you who serve back there, that matters. That matters because you're planting these seeds 
and showing Jesus' love to the very smallest echoes, kids, in our midst. And that matters to Jesus. And that plants seeds that becomes, grows into their hearts, that grows into faith. That matters. Let's keep going. Jesus has got more to deal with here. Because now, disciples still got some other issues. John said, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Jesus said, do not stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. <laughs> the disciples, they couldn't, they couldn't figure out how to help the dad and the son with the demon, and yet somebody else is doing it in Jesus' name very well, and then they're like, oh, we should probably. He's not one of us. Like, that's a bad thing. Jesus is like, look. God is working through other people. We're welcoming in other followers just because we're a part of this small circle. We're not, that's not who we are. God's kingdom is for all, spread wide. And God's spirit is going to fall on people. People that we're not expecting are going to invite Jesus into their lives. And they're going to have God and his faith. And Jesus is like, my kingdom is for all. If you want to be a follower you got to be on the same team. Whoever is not against you is for you. Today, guys, whoever is not, a, not for the LA Rams, they're going to be for the Bengals, right? I'm a new fan. You guys welcome me in, you lifers, right? Same thing with our faith. We're going to be welcoming people in, and there's going to be some people that you're not expecting to be a follower of Jesus. Or you're going to think, like, I have seen the way they live out their faith, and I'm not sure I like it. And you're like, Jesus is always leaving that door open to say, we're bringing people in. We're, everyone's always invited onto the team. And that leads into verse 51. Because there's some, there's some people, that there's some more issues here. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So here we go. Like Jesus is... He knows that the end is coming. And for these, all these next over 400 verses, we're going we're gonna to see him taking this journey into Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead, and he went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. So just like he would go and stay a while in a town, he's picked out another village. Okay, go, go find us a place to stay. Remember how people would invite them in and host him as a missionary, and he'd stay for a while and teach so that's what he's inviting this Samaritan village. Like, okay, I'm ready to go there. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Sounds like a cool trick. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And then he and his disciples went to another village. Elijah called down fire from heaven in the Old Testament. <laughs> These disciples are like, we got this, all right? Yeah, we can do this. We got the Spirit's power. Jesus is like, no. I said if people did not accept you to brush the dust off, move on. But that always leaves a door open, right? He's not calling down fire from heaven and destroying people. Jesus leaves the door open for redemption in the future. And here... Here we see, you know, like when Jesus started his ministry, back in Luke 4, we read that 
Jesus was preaching in his hometown of Nazareth, and he's looking at his fellow Jewish people, and he's saying God's kingdom is, is for all, and they didn't like that. And now here, he's in a place where it's like the Samaritans were like, their, half of their ancestry was Jewish and half was not, and, and then he's talking about heading to Jerusalem, and then they're rejecting him for that. So Jesus' message is not being taken by everyone, but Jesus leaves that door open. He leaves the door open. Now, finally, finally, we have this last section of nine, chapter nine. And we're going to see like, you know, we keep hearing about the 12 and we know that there's other followers out there and we're going to kind of hear different stories. But sometimes there's some people that, that Jesus calls and they don't always say yes. So let's read a few of these. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So Jesus was like real talk. A guy says, I want to follow you. And Jesus is like, this is what it looks like. And it's not always easy. It doesn't have the stability maybe you're looking for. We don't know whether the guy said yes or no to following after that. But Jesus is like, here's the cost. I'm going to be super honest with you. Okay, second story here. He said to another man, follow me. And that guy said, well, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go, proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, this was a very noble thing is to take care of of one's parents. And maybe even in the way this guy is talking, maybe his father hasn't passed yet or very close to it. And that was a very big honor, especially in this Jewish community. Like You care for your parents, and you bury them, and you give them great honor and death as well as life. And it's not that Jesus was against family, but he's like, here, this time is now. The kingdom is at hand. And he, he wants to try to speak to the living. And he's like, sometimes you're going to have to say, even though that looks like a great honor in the community, Jesus is like, look, this is an honor too. To go and spread God's good news. And finally, another person said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service and the kingdom of God. This one's interesting too. But basically, it's like if the person approached Jesus and, and was ready, then Jesus was like, well, come ready, you know. Already say your goodbyes. Already have your affairs in order. Come ready to me. You're not ready yet. So Jesus is trying to shift priorities to say, like, we're all in, you know? When you say you're going to follow me, it, it's got some sacrifices. It's not always easy. You got to be all in. There's going to be seasons of loss and seasons of beauty. We got to be all in. And so... That's just what our application is today. So how do we live as the redeemed people of Jesus? We ask that every week. Like, what's in this for us? And I say, like, let's reassess. It's a good time, isn't it? Let's reassess our commitment. Am I all in? And maybe, maybe from the time you were young, you have known Jesus. You have heard his name proclaimed. 
and that's amazing. But there's probably times in your life where you've hit up some hardships, where things have just really thrown you, and you, you kind of have to reevaluate. Like, is this, is this still here? Am I still in on this message? Am I still good with following Jesus? That's all right. It's okay to ask. If you're newer to the faith, welcome. This is worth it. It just takes some things. It takes, it, it takes some costs that we have to sacrifice. So the thing is, the three people I asked up here on stage this morning, I love their fandom, but you know what else I love? I love their faith. Because I know their lives, and I know that they've been committed to Jesus for a long time. And they've had some amazing, amazing things happen in life, and they've had some real griefs. And I could ask them if it's worth it to uh, maintain their faith. I already know the answer because I see how they live. I see them. It's worth it for them to be a follower of Jesus just as like a fan of a team. It's worth it. And at times when you're questioning and evaluating, reassessing it, talk to some people. Talk to some longtime fans of Jesus. Find out if it's worth it. There's three parts. As we reassess, as we consider our faith, let's look at three things. One reminder from this scripture, being all in costs something. To follow Jesus requires sacrifice. And, and he was real honest about some things. Like, it, here's what you need to let go of in order to follow me. And he looks at all of our hearts, right? You've probably had that time or maybe something's going to come up where God's spirit is tugging at you saying like, this is something you need to let go of in order to take the next step in your journey. Number two is we have to welcome others who want to be all in too. Sometimes that's a struggle. Sometimes like the disciples were like, I would rather call down fire on those people over there. But if they're willing to follow Jesus, we got to say, hey, you're, you're on my team now. Let's accept people. Number three is living all in. It's not about us. It's not focused on ourselves. It's easy to, it's easy to just kind of slightly turn and head off course. That's why we're, we're in this together. We can walk alongside each other. We can hold each other accountable, and that's good. We need that in our lives. That we get to journey together, and it reminds us that we don't live for ourselves. We live for one another. We live for God's glory. Are you still in? I hope so. And I hope that you see it's worth it, that you see the hope we have, the healing and the redemption that Jesus brings, the joy despite pain. I hope you're all in. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for today, for breathing life into a new day, for reminding us how much you care about us, how much the smallest to the oldest people on this earth matter to you. And help us to remember that each day, to to see you're worth it, and to live like it. We bring these things before you and say, guide us into the next day. Amen. 
Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.